Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. Today we're going to talk about the fact that we've been set free from the law. Oh, it's still there, but we don't have to try to keep it to maintain it. We walk in the Spirit and we walk by the Word of God. Freedom like you've never had before. Let's talk about it from the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. If you uh, open up in the Word of God, you can open up to Romans chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 14 today. And really, the main teaching I'll be doing is out of the book of Galatians. We're going to talk about being free from the law. Just one broadcast, but you know what? We're just going to talk about the simplicity of how we have been set free from the law. Uh, it's hard for uh, Christians to understand this because we are so law-oriented. What I mean by that is it's like telling a person, you know, we're going to remove the law and just expect you to keep it. And they'll say, but you know, once, once you do remove the law, then what are we supposed to do? Don't we need like speed limit signs and things like that to tell us what the speed limit is? He said, no. He said, honestly, if you care for other people and you have love for other people, respect for other people, then you'll drive a respectable, uh, you know, speed. And, the, and one woman said, I still can't understand. I just cannot understand that the pastor was explaining this to a couple. And they'd actually come in for marriage counseling. He says, well, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, doesn't the word of God, you know, talk about adultery and these types of things and divorce and all these kind of things and stuff like that? And she said, yes. He said, do you need a law to love your husband? I mean, you know, she, he said, if, if the law wasn't there, would you divorce your husband? She said, well, no, I love my husband. So he said, what you're saying is you don't need the law. You would respect your husband, love your husband, and therefore... The, the verses of scripture on, on divorce is not even applicable to you, right? She said, yes, she said, that's what God has done. He's removed the law from us. And then now we serve him out of love for him, not fear of him. For the purpose of the law was to put fear in you of breaking it. Romans chapter six and verse 14 says this, sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. Notice this sin will not have dominion over sin is that ability and that driving you to do something wrong. But once, once you are no longer under the law, but you have the new birth inside of you, you have a whole new life living parallel with your old life, but the new life is greater. See, I still have the flesh living inside of me, the nature of the flesh. I will until I die. And there's tendencies of the flesh that drive me towards sin when they see lust and other things like that. But if I walk in the spirit, the greater nature in me is always greater than that other nature. And I walk by it. And so it's like, I know that my, my flesh is there, but I don't fear it day by day. What I do is I walk in love toward God, love toward people, fulfill the law. In fact, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. On these two, Jesus said, hinge all the law and the prophets. If you can keep those two, he said, you can keep the law. And so that's what God is simply saying. He is telling us today about the law of love, the law of grace, the law of mercy, our love for God, first of all, that our love for each other. Romans 6.14 says, sin will not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. It'd be great if this passage said, sin might not have dominion over you, but it says it shall not, it will not have dominion over you. So what it's simply saying is this is more than a possibility of a sinless life. It's an absolute promise of a sinless life if certain conditions are met. And that is the conditions that surround this verse of scripture talk about walking in love. John is one of the greatest ones in the New Testament to write on love. 
his uh, for one of his one of the gospels. The one of the four is the Gospel of John, and in that the theme throughout it is the law of love. Then we come to his epistles, first, second, and third John. They all revolve around the same principle of love for God first of all, love for uh, each other next of all. I remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he was talking to Jesus, and Jesus said, "What's the greatest commandment in the Word of God?" He said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second Jesus said, that's like unto it, is you shall love your neighbors yourself. He said, if you can keep those, he said, you don't even have to worry about the law, what it even says. You know, people ask today, they say, when you were growing up, did you memorize the Ten Commandments? I said, no, I came out of a grace church. They said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, we taught there that when you're, you know, you're born again, you're no longer under the law. So I don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. I can quote a couple of them, but I can't quote all 10 of them. If I really stopped and forced myself, gritted my teeth, I might remember about four of them, but I couldn't remember all 10. And, and one, one man told me, he said, well, don't you know it's keeping those Ten Commandments, that that's how you go to heaven. And if you don't know the Ten Commandments, how do you know you're even going to heaven? I said, I can't, I can't name them, but I know I'm going to heaven because going to heaven does not come from keeping keeping the law. Going to heaven comes by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I said, I did that when I was five years old. And since that time, I have just served the Lord and loved the Lord. Yes, I've made mistakes and I've goofed up and I've done all the things everybody else has done. As far as just getting off the track, I can't name any gigantic sins or anything I've committed in the lives of people. But as far as God's concerned, whatever's not of faith is sin. So I said, I've done that, but I couldn't quote you the Ten Commandments. And uh, so again, uh, I don't know how to quote them, but then I'm not under them. I'm under the law of love. The moment I got saved, and even at five years old, the law was just useless to me at that time. But I can fulfill it by walking in love. By walking in love, I don't covet what somebody else has. I don't want to steal somebody's wife. I don't want to take their possessions. I don't want to kill them. All the different things is covered in the Ten Commandments. I don't want to break because I am free from that law because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the life of God now replaces the death that law was there to cover and keep my life in line when I was spiritually dead toward God. Now that I've been born again and from my spirit, I can produce love toward God and love toward people, I'm removed from those commandments. I'm on my way to heaven with or without them. And the beauty of it is without them, I again walk in love toward God and people. So again, as I said, this is more than a possibility, this verse of a sinless life. It's an absolute promise of a sinless life with certain conditions that are met, of course. Let me just tell you what the word of God says to you about being born again. Did you know that the goal of the Christian life on this earth is to come to a place you've never sinned again? You say, well, that's impossible. I agree. I don't think there's a place, but you know what? You can do better every single day. In fact, you can come to a point in your life where you can stop and say, when's the last time I sinned? And you really have to stop and think, when was the last time? It used to be you ran into him almost every two or three days. You know, you do something and ask God to forgive you, go on your way and whap another two or three days. It might even be the same sin over and over again until you finally gained victory over it. Let me just give you some of the things found in the New Testament. These things we write to you that you sin not. Notice this, what's the purpose of the word of God? The purpose of the word of God is these things we write to you so that you will not sin. Then not only do you just write what's written and you observe them, but you actually function in them every day. If you do these things, you shall never fail. 
And uh, so Paul wrote, do not let sin therefore reign in your mortal minds. It's possible for you to have victory over sin without the law because he's speaking there to born again people. When Jesus, there was two people Jesus healed that he told them when they went away, go and sin no more. Boy, that's a tall order. Don't you know the, the, the group of people must go and sin no more? Did he actually say that, go and sin no more? That should be your goal in the Christian life. You say, well, it's kind of a high goal. I agree it's a high goal. But let me tell you, God would rather that you that you make the mark extremely high. He'd rather you shoot for the moon and miss it than to shoot for the ceiling and make it. And oftentimes our goals are just so low, we could make it, you know, even without God. But the point of it is God wants us to set our goals so high, go and sin no more. These things we write to you that you do not sin. Paul tells us grace gives an absolute that the law could never give, and that was power over sin. The law was there to defer us from sin, and then if we did sin, there was a, uh, you know, the, actually the other part of the law, which was the uh, sacrifices, and the sacrifices represented what was to come. The law represented our sinful life, that we are born into a sinful life, and without Jesus Christ, we maintain and we constantly fight that power of sin, and if we do yield to it, then we can come and there's a sacrifice, but these things were teachers of how redemption would come. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Instead of giving freedom from sin, the law guaranteed we would sin. That's the other part of it. God can guarantee us we can walk free from sin, but the law could not guarantee it. In fact, the law guaranteed the opposite. We would sin. The more you try to be righteous by the law, by, by observing everything there, the more sin is present and keeps increasing in your life. In other words, the harder you work, the deeper into sin you go. My wife and I, uh, right after we were married, we decided we'd go down to uh, uh, Southern Texas and go to the beach down there. And so we, uh, we saw, I saw cars were just driving right out on the beach and would get out and throw their blankets on the ground and or on the sand and, you know, and have lunch and stuff. We thought, we'll do that too. So we drove our little Toyota down there and we got out, you know, and we were uh, had all the stuff. And so when it was time to go, then what happened was, you know, I threw everything in the car and we started to leave and the car wouldn't move. I mean, the wheels would spin, the wheels would spin, but that thing just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the sand. And I thought, my Lord, we're stuck here. We can't get out. And then a young man came over in his bathing suit, knocked on the window, and I rolled it down. He said, straighten out your front wheels. And so I straightened out the front wheels. The car just came right out. Well, I mean, the wheels were acting like, you know, a, um, uh, you know, a shovel and just, just piling up the uh, sand in front of it, and we couldn't get out. But the other way, we could get out. Glad somebody was there to help us. Well, the same thing is true with the law. The harder you work under the law, the more you, the deeper you dig yourself in. It's a lot like quicksand. So sinners commit sin because it's their fallen nature. But Christians can sin even with a newly created nature because the presence of the flesh always remains, but sinners have no way out. Christians can walk in righteousness and occasionally fall into sin and get out. A sinner commits sin all the time and once in a while does something good, but it doesn't count as righteousness toward him because he hasn't accepted the Lord as his savior. Like I said, once you're born again, you will sin from time to time, but it should be less and less and less as you learn to walk more in your new created nature on the inside of you, the nature of righteousness and Christ living in you, the Holy Spirit living in you and the drive in you from that presence of the Holy Spirit, from that new nature, the drive to 
quickly repent of sin and get back into following God. First John 1 8 says, if we say we have no sin, and that's the nature of sin, even as a Christian, he wasn't writing to sinners here. If we say we have no nature to sin at all, he said, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. Bob has to admit, I can sin if I want to. I can sin if I listen to my flesh. But you know what? I just choose not to listen to my flesh. I choose to listen to the Holy Spirit and I choose to listen to the word of God. If I follow after the word of God, if your word is hidden in my heart, then I will not sin against you. Sinlessness is the possible goal for believers only. Sinners can't get there. Although it will never be totally 100% attained, it is my goal and should be your goal to arrive at perfection a little more each day to where we finally get to the point where our life is so much walking in righteousness, we have to stop and try to remember the last time we sin. This is called the renewing of the mind, daily progress to having the mind of Christ that in every situation you run into in life, whenever evil is there, temptation is there, sin is there, you think of a scripture and you walk in the scripture and the Holy Spirit guides you toward that, reveals the scripture to where the new nature in you is driving you toward righteousness, not toward sin. This is the purpose and the goal of the Christian life, to walk in that every day. And despite the world around me and despite the nature of the flesh around me, there comes a point where it has no more control over me. This is what God is shooting for in our life and we should be too. We're going to talk about the book of Galatians. This is available. The announcer's coming on now that this is halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of it for yourself. I'll see you right after the break. The Apostle Paul knew that works can't bring salvation. The Galatian churches, after believing the gospel of grace in Christ, were misled into Jewish law. Paul wrote to them, confronting their foolishness. His letter declared salvation by faith alone, not based on effort or observance, but solely upon the grace of God. In this New Testament commentary on Galatians, Bob Yandian defines legalism, its effects on the Galatians, and its impact on today's church. Seeing how legalism infected the Galatian churches, we can learn to overcome this subtle attack on believers today. To order this New Testament commentary on Galatians, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, 
visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Welcome back. I want to thank you that are watching for your faithfulness to watch and also for those who become partners with me and your faithfulness to give. There are some people who faithfully give toward us but have never become a partner with us. I want to just simply say this. Thank you for being faithful to send to us, but also why not just become a partner? You know, partnership begins in the heart. Some people say, well, partnership, that's kind of like a, you know, where I'm in bondage to give to you. No, there's no bondage to it. What you do is you give because you love the Lord, you love me and you love the word and you love the way that I teach. Not everybody does, but you know, there's certain ones you just hook onto and you starts with the heart, your heart hooks onto them and you join them in your heart. First of all, going, I like this guy. I like this woman. I like whoever's teaching the word right now. And you know what? I agree with them. I want to support them. That's the way you should be in this ministry. And that is when you've listened long enough, if your heart is hooking up to me, then why not just become a partner with me on a monthly basis? Not only do you pray for me, but you give toward this ministry knowing that every penny, every quarter, every dollar, every $10 is a gift toward God that can help bring souls in and that money becomes eternal. Anything you spend on your food, your finances in the house, your car, whatever, paying bills, all that's temporary and God doesn't care. He wants to supply that for you, but he wants you to turn things around in your life and realize there is a way to give into eternity and what you give becomes eternal. It helps win souls, which those souls win souls, which those souls win souls, which all of a sudden then discipleship takes over and you'll meet those people in heaven and you'll find out your money never quit working for you. Go to bobyandian.com, join me as a partner and I give you thanks in advance. Grace frees us from the law then enables the power of God to rule our lives from the ever-present Holy Spirit living in us and the ever-present new creation. The Christian does not live his life from the law, but from the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I don't think about what the law says not to do, then force myself not to do that. No, I live by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and he empowers me to desire to walk in righteousness. The Christian doesn't keep the law by keeping the law. He keeps the law by fulfilling the law and following the Holy Spirit and following in the word of God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's the new nature inside of me, has made me free from the law of sin and death, and that's the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, all the other commandments attached to it. Romans 6.14 says this, For sin will not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Understand that if I understand I'm under grace, then sin has no dominion over me. It can try, but it's going to fail every single time if I know I'm under the grace of God, and I'm walking according to the new birth and the new life on the inside of me. The second half of our verse, this is Romans 6, 14. The two, the two parts of this verse is this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so the second half of our verse begins just like the beginning of this verse with the word for as it did in the first half, it now says in the second half, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. We as born again Christians are declared to be under grace and not under the law. It's not something that each day we have to see ourselves that way. Each way we have to put ourselves there. We are already there. You are looking at what you already have. That's why there's no work to it. That's why it's just a simple decision to walk in the word of God and walk in the grace of God and realize you are not under the law. The first half is a declaration of a change of ownership and a freedom from slavery. 
We were under the dominion of sin. Now we are under the dominion of freedom. We must choose to live in this new freedom from the law. We must not use our new freedom as liberty to the nature of the flesh and sin. We should not look at ourselves and say, wow, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm born again. I can live any way. I can just do this. I can go and sin like crazy because I'm going to heaven. And, and the book of Galatians warns us not to do this. It said, don't use your new nature as a uh, outlet for the flesh and to live according to the flesh. And that's what many Christians do. There's actually a mockery made toward grace when it's actually taught from pulpits and even among Christians to each other, grace allows us to sin all that we want to. And that I call that cheap grace. It's just grace has been given to me, so now I can use it to live any way I want to. When Paul warns, don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. Instead of thinking of yourself, start thinking of other people. How do I fulfill that? I realize I'm no longer under the flesh and the control of it. I am under the Holy Spirit and the new nature on the inside of me. You know, many black citizens in the United States were under slavery until they were emancipated after the Civil War. Many, once freed, became political leaders. They invented uh, different things and became musicians. They became to make, take leadership in so many areas of our uh, life around us, especially in sports. I mean, just we found out just tremendous things that were inside of them and things that they had that other nationalities didn't have, and they began to excel. So again, many, once that they were freed, became political leaders, inventors, musicians, sports heroes. They took advantage of the change of ownership from slave masters to being a free member of the American society like every other person around them. They were as free as other natural citizens to sit anywhere on a bus, eat in any restaurant, apply to a college or university, and work for any business or corporation they wanted to. The laws were now on their side, and the, the society was on their side, even though they ran into people who were still biased, that thing that was, now they had the backing of the country with them, all the way up to the Supreme Court. Our lives have been greatly blessed by their contributions. Think about this, the examples in our society, George Washington Carver, Booker T. Washington, Ed and James, we could go down the list, especially of singers and entertainers, and of course, I like good rock and roll, and I like, uh, I like you know, good music and things like that. So many blacks that sing, I mean, just paved the way for so much of the music we have today. And the same thing true again, like I said, in sports. Great contributions have come from black doctors, congressmen, and even Supreme Court justices. But the enemies to freedom of black Americans proclaimed this, that they can now do anything they felt like. Now that you've been emancipated, you can break into stores, you can steal anything, uh, you can burn buildings, you can kill the police. And this actually began to happen, but this is not what their freedom was made for. Their freedom was to help society. In other words, there was a group that once emancipated became self-centered. I'm just going to get even with all those who ever did anything to me. And they looked at themselves and down on everybody else. But there was a group of people out of that that had such respect for those that helped them become free, as free as anyone else in the society, that they decide they want to be a blessing. And I mean, some of the greatest blessings in our society have come from African-Americans. It is This is parallel to the Christian life. We were once in slavery to sin, under the dominion of sin, under spiritual death and under Satan. Now that we have been born again, we've been emancipated. 
and do not have to live in bondage. If we do, it's because we choose to and we actually go into rebellion against God by doing this. But tyranny will not have dominion over us for we are under freedom and not under slavery. I'm just re-pronouncing the scripture we began with. We have not been set free to sin any time at any place we want to. You have been called unto liberty, but don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. There's the key right there in Galatians 5.13. And what it's saying is once you have been set free, operate in love, love toward people around you. Now you can serve them and you no longer feel suppressed by everybody around you. And you don't no longer feel suppressed by life and by the laws of life. No, it's because God has set you free from the law, the law that even drove you towards sin. Because if you, t- if you try to operate in the law, it brings that nature of the flesh up in you and makes it stronger than ever. And we can actually take control over that and minimize that old nature inside of us, the nature of the flesh, as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and power of the word of God. We can choose not to live in rioting, drunkenness, or lust. We can choose to live in love toward God and love toward others. We are no longer under the law, but we're not lawless. Sin in the Christian life steals from others, but righteousness contributes and services the needs of others, starting with believers, starting with the church, and then even into society where we're out there spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God. There are five different uses of the word law in the book of Romans. First of all is the whole legal principle. Laws applied to any person, Jew or Gentile. Used in this manner would mean freedom from the Roman law of which we as citizens in the U.S. are not under it. But would any nation of the 21st century still be able to apply that to their life? Law to a nation of which they live in, even in evil nations? The Jewish law given by God to Moses on Sinai was the second use of the word law. The third one is each individual ordinance or commandment of the Mosaic law includes dietary laws, sanitary laws, days, weeks, months, or Sabbaths and feasts. Fourthly, there are principles which now work in our lives of righteousness. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a reference to the new law not written on tablets of stone, but written in our heart. The stones are temporary. There was one set of them that even cracked whenever Moses threw them down. And so the laws of this life can can crack. The laws of denominations, the laws of legalism can crack and be gone. But I'm here to tell you the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus was written on our hearts and is eternal. This is Romans chapter eight and verse two. This exists in every believer, but it's potential. We must choose to live by by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We can walk in freedom from the law which works in the lives of those who do not have eternal life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Although this verse begins speaking to believers, it refers to the law of the flesh found in both believers and unbelievers, but believers have another nature inside of them which can override and press down the nature of the flesh and we can walk in freedom even though we still have the flesh. But since the unbeliever doesn't have the new nature in their spirit, they have only the law of sin and death found in their flesh or in their body. 
The law came through disobedience of Adam in the garden, which threw all humanity into sin and under the control of the law of sin. But when we received Jesus as our savior, we gained the power to walk in freedom. And all we have to do is choose to use that power God has given to us. I want you to understand something today. I taught this for your benefit. Oh, I benefited from, but from my benefit, I give to your benefit. And that is this, when you begin to truly understand what the word of God has to say, you found a life you've never found before. I don't understand when Christians have been born again for some time, but I don't feel like my life has changed any. Either, first of all, you weren't born again at all, but next of all, you had just squeaked through the door, but you've never even opened up the rest of the Bible to find out. If you wanna find out about the new birth, that's about this much of the Bible, but the rest of the Bible is learning to walk in freedom every single day, maturity, how to grow in the things of God. That's what this is for, and you know what that produces? It produces joy, joy, and power. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.